Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Electric Leftovers. My name is Jason. This is episode 208. Happy Valentine's Day. How are you today? Have you had a great day? I certainly do hope so because, hey, you know what? It's been a while. You deserve it. What do we got going on? Well, good old Coolio to the rescue, catching up on all of his low bias monthly entries for uh, quite a ways back. Um, to be honest, I thought he had already done it, and I almost think he might have thought he had already done it for a little while. But he brings us Alf the First Adventure, Rambo, SimCity 2000, Rival Turf, Toho Hack and Slash, Disney's Bonkers, Where in the World is Carmen San Diego, and Riven the sequel to Mist, and that's just to name a few. And there's some more uh, Vagrant story from me, so you've got that to look forward to. We also have the continuing on of 365 Days of the Super Nintendo. Our last entry at the time I am recording this was Super Adventure Island, and our last soundtrack for the... uh moment time is Samurai Warriors 3. Of course, we added some new Mystery Science Theater in there as well, and that is I Accuse My Parents with the short The Truck Farmer, and Operation Double Double O Seven, which, believe it or not, Sean Connery has a brother who also happens to be a secret agent. And James Bond wasn't available, so they got his brother, like Casey Bond or something like that. That's basically the plot of that movie. There's some weird hypnosis thing and a lady with big hats. I don't know. It's the 70s and it's Italy. What are you going to do about it, right? Right.
launch into the biggest RPG ever on the Genesis. This is the explosive magic and monster packed finale to the incredible fantasy star saga. An ancient, hideous dark force stalks the Algol star system. You, a young hunter, are destined to become Matavia's greatest warrior and strike the death blow that destroys evil forever. And this is Fantasy Star 4, the end of the millennium. It's for the Genesis, developed and published by Sega, released in 1994. And is it really, I mean, the biggest RPG ever on the Genesis? There's not really a big group to pick from, right? The Genesis didn't have a lot of RPGs compared to other systems. It had some. The Fantasy Star series was one. Uh, Shining Force is like a tactical RPG thing, but this is, you know, it's it's not a great uh group to pick from. We'll just say that. And this was requested. I wish I could remember by who I would mark it on the page. So if you're listening to this and you were the one who requested Fantasy Star, let me know. I'll uh, get your name down. And I had never really played a lot of Fantasy Star games. Never really liked them. Uh, the battle system and all of that. It just seems really... I don't know. It seems like it could have been better done to me. But then, you know, Genesis and it's an RPG. What did you have to work with? Uh, it's a relatively short game. This was about 16 episodes. And, um... Yeah, it, it really wasn't that bad. Uh, some of the graphics are a little primitive, I would say. But the cutscenes are all done pretty good. They're kind of done in an anime comic booky kind of style thing. And uh, the dialogue was actually pretty good, if I remember right. Music was okay, uh, as you'll hear in this episode. So give it a check out if you're into RPGs for the Genesis. All six of them. I was shocked and amazed to find that there were reviews for this game, but then I was slightly less shocked and amazed to find that there were only two, and they're quick. So guess what? Reading them both. And uh, neither from anybody that we usually go to. So let's start with this one. Teeth in my soup? 
copyright, a review by one crazy horse of Parodius Da from April 14th, 2006. What happens when you take Gradius and make it look like a Konami fanboy's acid trip? You get Parodius Da, or as it's known in Europe, Parodius Nonsense Fantasy. In this game, unreleased in the USA, you take control of one of four Konami characters, Gradius style. You could pretend it's yet another Gradius game and play as Vic Viper, but who'd want to do that? Why be the Vic Viper ship when you could be Takosuke the Octopus? How about Twinbee from the Twinbee games? Even Pentaro the Penguin from Antarctic Adventure. Story. Well, you're, uh, you're one of the wrong you're, but the four said pilots traveling through different places of the so-called galaxy to destroy the final boss, which, by the way, was incredibly easy. Guess the developers gave us a break, considering how difficult the game can be. Six out of ten. That was part difficulty, part story. Didn't really tell us much. Uh, by the way, the last boss in the Proteus games are really easy. The last bosses in the Gradius games generally pretty easy. It's just, like, getting to it that is tough. Think of, um... Contra a little bit. Graphics. The graphics look quite good. The bosses are zany and the characters look unique in their own way. Although Americans not might might not find it serious enough, who cares? Try playing the game. It's serious as it looks. 8 out of 10. Sound. I really dig the music. Each character has his own theme and they're all wonderful. The stage musics also sound groovy, ranging from Bippin, Carnival Stage, to Downright Eerie, the Boneyard Stage. Longtime Gradius fans will recognize a famous boss song that's been there since the first game. 9 out of 10. Gameplay. If you've played a vertical scrolling shooter before, you know what to expect. Except this one's horizontal, I would remind the reviewer. Dodging many projectiles, huge bosses, many, many enemies. Yeah, it's Gradius on crack, but who cares really? The characters get their own powers. Vic Viper can get a laser. Ta so Takosuke gets Ripple. Twin B gets a three-way gun. Pentaro gets a spread bomb. Of course, in classic Gradius Affair, you have to collect these little orange things that you can determine what to power up. Speed, missile, different missile for each character, double vertical back, laser ripple, three-way spread bomb, option, and the, oh my gosh, whatever it is, which you should avoid at all costs and since delete everything you powered up. And shield. Again, different for each character. Some enemies will drop bells. If you played any of the Twinbee games, you'll know how they work. Shoot them so the colors ch can change, ranging in bell powers to points. Overall, it's a good shooter. It's a shame Americans didn't get a chance to play it, but they probably have ways to. Rating 4. Great! <clears throat> that was kind of humdrum, wasn't it? Next, prepare to die. A lot. A Parodius Star Review by Shogain. Reviewed March 30th, 2009. Konami's Parodius is your typical 2D plane shooter with a mix of comedy on it. It's possibly one of the most random games out there with giant cat pirates and other nifty bosses. If you're looking for a time waster and some frustration, then this is the game for you. Bonus, it's a part of the NES version with improved graphics. Story. There's virtually no story here at all from what I know. It's basically you just going through the worlds in the galaxy, taking out random obstacles in your way. Whether they be zombie penguins or an intergalactic pirate ship, they all want to destroy you. Gameplay, 6 out of 10. The gameplay is pretty simple. Easy to learn. First, you get to pick which playable character you want to use. There's four in all, including Viper, Octopus, Penguin, and Twin Bee. And they all have their own unique upgrades. After picking the character you want to use... Uh, you go around the galaxy shooting down foes that want to kill you. When you shoot down the enemies, they'll leave power-ups or bells that grant you an upgrade. For power-ups, you either automatically upgrade or you can manually upgrade yourself. 
By looking at the upgrade bar on the lower left corner of the screen, you can press the Y button when the adjacent space is occupied. These power-ups can increase your movement speed, missiles, shields, and whatnot. As for the bells, they're basically more of a secondary power-up. At first, you'll notice you get points when catching the bells, but shooting them changes the color of the bell. The color of the bell indicates which special upgrade you're going to get. If it's red, you get a neat laser wall that shields you from enemy fire and also destroying the enemies that touch the wall in the process. Each color represents what you're going to get. The rather harsh difficulty comes to mind, though. In the beginning, you'll easily cruise through the game, but once you read the later parts, you can expect a lot of deaths and game overs. Luckily, you continue right out of a checkpoint if you lose all your lives, but by doing so, you lose all of your upgrades you've acquired from the past. Boss fights are nothing special, and Konami tried to make them unique. In conclusion, the gameplay is nothing special. Graphics 7 out of 10. Back at the time, the graphics were nothing but two-dimensional for the SNES. This game, being one of them, features detailed sprites and quirky enemies. I don't know what that sentence means. Nothing seems to be wrong here, but they're a bit too plain. Environments in the background range from a Las Vegas setting all the way to a zombie apocalypse with penguins. You'll be sure to raise an eyebrow or two traversing these unique levels. Sound and music, 7 out of 10, probably the main highlight of the game. The music features some memorable themes like Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy, upbeat music accompanies you as you blast your enemies down, and the sound is also pretty good. Final word, if you're looking for a time waster, then look no further. Parodius is the answer. If you enjoy Japanese games, then you'll be sure to enjoy this game for a bit. The sequels are far better in my opinion, but this enhanced port is a welcome addition to the Parodius series. Rating 3. Fair. Um, you know, those were not terribly written. Uh, they weren't great reviews. Um, I give them a C each, I think. As for the game, I give the game like an eight and a half. It is, it plays great. It's, it plays just like Gradius. It just looks fun. And it's, I, I love a game that doesn't take itself too seriously. You know what I'm saying? Sure you do.
While I am getting the soundtrack for today's episode, let's go and read the news, shall we? Our lead story, Hair of the Dog. That's always a great way to start. In a new twist on stomach pumping. Apparently there's an old twist on stomach pumping. Doctors in Quang Trai, Vietnam, saved 48-year-old Win Van Nott's life in January by transfusing 15 cans of beer into his stomach. As Dr. Lee Van Lam explained to the Daily Mail, alcohol contains both methanol and ethanol, and the liver breaks down ethanol first. But after a person stops drinking, the stomach and intestines continue to release alcohol into the bloodstream, even if the drinker has lost consciousness and the alcohol levels continue to rise. In that's case, upon arrival at the hospital, his blood methanol was 1,119 times higher than the appropriate limit. Doctors administered one can of beer every hour to slow down his metabolizing of methanol, which gave them time to perform dialysis. Not spent three weeks in the hospital before returning home. Yeah, uh, when you're distilling spirits um you always like the the end product you never save the very first batch like the first little bit of the batch and you never save the very last little bit of the batch because that's like the far end of the ethanol methanol spectrum and one of them is just going to kill you and the other one is terrible so now you know Names in the news, your giggle for the week. During a January 17th special program on ITV West Country in the United Kingdom about how police forces are suffering under budget cuts, a certain officer interviewed for the show got more attention for his name than his opinions about the budget. PC Rob Banks has undoubtedly heard clever remarks about his name all his life, reported Plymouth Live, but Twitter users from as far away as Australia found it newly hilarious. His name is Rob Banks. That's so funny. Try the decaf, ladies and gentlemen. Officers in Madison, Wisconsin were called to a home on January 20th by an unnamed 34-year-old male resident. We haven't had an unnamed male for a while who went on a spree of destruction when he thought his wife had destroyed his prized collection of action figures. Madison Police Chief Mike Koval wrote in his blog that officers arrived to find an axe buried in the windshield of a car. The man explained to them that he had overreacted and used the log-splitting axe to chop up a TV, TV stand, laptop computer, and other items in the house before going outside to attack his car, chopping off both side mirrors, breaking out the windshield, reported WMTV. He admitted to officers that he had also been drinking too much, and was charged with disorderly conduct and felony damage to property. But what about the action figures? Hmm? The entrepreneurial spirit. A 19-year-old man from Nice, France, has received a four-month suspended sentence for a clever plot he hatched in September. The man, known only as Adele, removed a PlayStation 4 from a supermarket shelf on September 17th and took it to the produce aisle where he weighed it and printed out a price sticker for fruit. Then he used the self-checkout line to pay and left the store with a $389 piece of electronics for about 10 bucks. Adele sold the PlayStation for $114 to buy a train ticket. The next day, he tried the same scheme, but police caught him in the act. He will only have to serve his sentence if he reoffends. reported Kotaku.com. You would report that, Kotaku. Our least competent criminals of the week. 
Oh, those pesky surveillance cameras. Alexander Goldsky, Goldinsky, excuse me, 57, had a bright idea for collecting some cash, but it was just so 1990s. While working as an independent contractor at Woodbridge, New Jersey, business, Goldinsky scattered some ice on the floor of the company's kitchen area, then carefully arranged himself on the floor as if he had slipped and fallen, according to United Press International. Then, as the security cameras rolled, he waited to be discovered. He was arrested in January on charges of insurance fraud and theft by deception after the Middlesex County Prosecutor's Office said Goldinsky filed a false insurance claim for an ambulance ride and treatment at a local hospital. Meanwhile, down the road a bit in Florida, David Rodriguez, 28, was his disguise of choice that tipped him up as he robbed a 7-Eleven store in Fort Myers, Florida on February 2nd, according to the Lee County Sheriff's Office. Rodriguez donned a gray hoodie and wig before approaching the counter at the store, showing a gun and demanding cash, reported the Miami Herald. When officers arrived, they got a detailed description, including the wig, and additional witness information led them to a nearby apartment. Inside, they found Rodriguez, and in plain view, a gray-hooded sweater with several wigs and a large amount of uh, wadded-up cash. Bingo! Rodriguez was charged with robbery with a firearm. Next stories of the inexplicable for inexplicable, excuse me, for UNC Greensboro student Maddie, no last name provided, there was a real monster in the closet, or at least a guy named Drew. After returning to her apartment on February 2nd, Maddie heard a strange noise coming from her closet. She put her hand on the door and said, "Who's in there?" "My name's Drew." answered the intruder, according to WFMY-TV. Maddie continued talking with him, and when she opened the door, Drew was sitting on the floor of the closet, dressed in her clothing. He also had a bag full of her clothes, shoes, and socks. Andrew Clyde Salford, 30, begged her not to call the police, and she chatted with him for another 10 minutes. Everything about his life and basically how he got in my closet, she said. Swafford left when Maddie's boyfriend arrived, and police caught up with him at a nearby gas station where he was arrested for misdemeanor breaking and entering. Maddie told reporters she thinks Swafford had been in her apartment before. We always joke that there's a ghost in here because I've been missing clothes ever since I've been living there. She signed a lease for a new apartment a few days later. Meanwhile, Sharisha Morrison of Albuquerque, New Mexico, and her neighbors have been the recipients since January 1st of an odd gift. Plastic grocery bags with slices of bread and bologna inside, delivered by an unknown man. I saw this on Facebook. At first, Morrison told KOB-TV she thought the food deliveries were acts of kindness until she opened the bag and smelled the contents. Quote, It smelled like urine, she said. Morrison said she can watch the man on her surveillance camera. He'll just walk up and drop it on the little doorknob and walk away, she said. I just want it to stop. Police have told her they can't do anything unless they catch him in the act. And that is the way the world works. And this is also the way the world works. Residents of the small town of Hilgermeisen in northwestern Germany voted decisively on February 3rd against naming the community's streets. Currently, addresses are a house number and the name of one of the former villages that combined to create Hilgermeisen in the 1970s, reported the Associated Press. Officials have hoped that street names would ease the job of emergency services and delivery drivers, but 60% of the 2,200 citizens rejected the council plan. The results will be binding for two years. That's, I mean, going old world Europe there. Thieving with Style, a BP gas station in Swansea, 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 I don't know, South Carolina, just say that, was the setting for a reprise of at least one iconic moment from the 1984's The Karate Kid, according to Fox News. On January 26th, a surveillance camera looked on, excuse me, an unidentified man struck Mr. Miyagi's signature crane technique pose 
twice before stealing a purse from a parked car nearby. The South Carolina Police Department posted the video to its Facebook page, and with the public's help, officers were able to identify the man and issue warrants for his arrest. Hooray! Ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it for the episode this week. I hope you had a nice time listening to it. I sure had a nice time talking to myself alone in a room for upwards of half an hour, 45 minutes. Uh, This has been the show, of course. And as per usual, you can find everything about the show, including past episodes and the playlist for the music heard on the show at lowbiasgaming.net. And you can tack on an electric leftovers right at the end of that, and that'll get you where you need to go. Uh, if you would like to check out some of the stuff we talked about there on the show, it's all on lowbiasgaming.net as well, from the Let's Plays to uh, the games we talk about the reviews for. And then you can decide for yourself. Uh, real quick note, a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, I have applied to have the show on Spotify, so if you're listening somewhere else and you have Spotify, you might be able to listen to the show on Spotify before too long. I will, of course, let you know when that change happens. And as per usual, if you like the show and you'd like to support the show by throwing a couple bucks into the tip jar, we'd love to have you do so. You can do that at patreon.com slash Jason's Groove Machine. It is very much appreciated. And uh, yeah, that'll do it for me. Have a good week. See you next time.
brought to you by. Bye. Bye.